Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Sophia and you are tuned into Diary of a Modern Muse. Today, I want to talk about something that is painful, but nonetheless something that needs to be talked about. On February 23rd, Ahmed Abari, a black man was shot and killed while he jogged by two white men. This was captured on film. It was only until the 5th of May that the world came to know about his death. The white father and son who murdered him said that they suspected him of burglary and that Ahmad had attacked his son before he was shot. The footage released revealed a different story. This was a manhunt. This was lynching. Ahmad Avery lost his life because he was black in a white supremacist world. On the 13th of March 2020, Brianna Taylor, a black woman, was killed by police who shot her eight times in her own home. The police were unannounced and they raided her home on a no-knock warrant, search warrant for drugs. The warrant that was issued did not have her name and was for another house whose occupants were were suspects that were already in police custody. Brianna Taylor lost her life because she was a black woman in a white supremacist world. On the 25th of May, 2020, George Floyd, a black man, was murdered by a white police officer who knelt on his neck for seven minutes. Onlookers called for the police to stop, but they did not. And when the officer finally got off, Floyd was unresponsive and presumably dead. George Floyd lost his life because he was black in a white supremacist world. On the same day that George Floyd lost his life, Christian Cooper, who was birdwatching in Central Park, approached a woman and asked her to put her dog on a leash, as dogs were not allowed unleashed in the park. She says that she will call the cops on him, and she's heard saying in the video, I am going to tell them that there is an African-American man threatening my life. This woman was very intentional in saying that. She knew how police treat black people. She knew the onus of blackness and she was willing to weaponize her whiteness against his blackness. It is safe to say that like George Floyd, Christian Cooper may have lost his life because he was black in a white supremacist world. Now. I want to address a few things in this podcast and I put this off for a while because I tried to come to terms with all that has all that has been happening and it's hard it weighs down on your spirit it's it's especially hard when you are on social media and i really 
I'm very envious of the people who don't use social media in their everyday life. It is extremely hard and for the black people around the world who are watching and hearing and witnessing our murder, we are in this together. So, the first thing I want to address is the inherent violence of white supremacy. Being black in a white supremacist world is being a target for violence. This violence manifests itself quietly, subtly, through daily acts of racism, microaggressions, amongst others. This subtle violence is as devastating as the physical manifestation because unlike the more pronounced acts we can't talk about it we're not allowed to talk about it for the fear of making white people uncomfortable we're made to prove that we're being oppressed even then we are unbelieved this kind of violence meets you on social media it meets you in uni it meets you at your workplace it meets you at your local tesco or Sainsbury's, or wherever you shop at. It is in that one look that you know is more than a simple look. When your coworker, or lecturer, or friend dismisses your lived experiences, it is in hoping not to be the only black person in predominantly white spaces. It is when, as black people, we group together because we know what it means to be black in a white supremacist world. It is almost as if we're consciously and unconsciously seeking community as a form of solace. It is in the silent look and nod of acknowledgement when you see a black person while you're walking down the street. It's that look that says we're in this together. The other kind of violence is physical. And here you ask yourself, well, this isn't the 60s, right? Slavery, slavery ended a long time ago. But yet, black people are being murdered for their blackness. Why? Fundamental to white supremacy is anti-blackness. And anti-blackness or anti-blackness, much like white supremacy, is coded into the system. In fact, it is the system. And it is inevitable whilst we are still in this fallen world. Now, in regards to these two forms of violence... They are both devastating, don't get me wrong. And I see the outrage at the murder of this man, George Floyd. I see it and I feel it. And I'm happy that there is outrage because something needs to be done. But all too often we forget about this subtle violence that weighs down 
on our mental health that weighs down on our emotional health as we call out more pronounced acts of violence against black people we need to also address what i'm saying is we need to address white supremacy and racism in its fullest we shouldn't just get up in arms and protest against um um you know police brutality about you know police brutality we shouldn't just stop there you know because the Racism is ongoing. It has never stopped. So it's been there since the 60s, right? Black people have been murdered because of their blackness. So it shouldn't just be an occasional thing where we fight against white white supremacy and racism. It shouldn't just be a sporadic thing. It should be a constant battle against the violence of white supremacy in all its forms. The second thing is on this idea and this yeah this idea of people of color when it comes to violence that is very specific to black people because of their blackness the thing about white supremacy is that it others anyone who is not white it has the effect of blackening non-black non-white people a very good book that you could read is called is by Robbie Shilliam. He's a UK scholar, and he, the book the book's title is Race and the Undeserving Poor, and he talks about this blackening of non-white, non-black subjects of empire. When you talk about blackening, blackness is what is at the bottom of the hierarchy. Non-black people of color are blackened and they do suffer consequences of that, but they are not black. They are not oppressed in the same ways black people are. To be black in a white supremacist world means there is no redemption again whilst we are in this fallen world there is no escaping your blackness and the implications of the same the term poc and bami are not appropriate when addressing violence against black people speak for black people it is a black man that died and he lost his life because of his blackness and the onus of being black in a white supremacist world if you notice i'm very specific in adding the white supremacist world part because the issue isn't blackness the issue is white supremacy so when you before you feel like saying that oh there has to be more to this story and you know there's always more to the story which is racism before you feel the need to kind of justify a murder the murder of or the murder or the assault of a black person before you need feel the need to justify that 
Think about that. Think about the fact that the issue isn't their blackness. The issue is white supremacy. The issue is racism. Stop blaming black people for racism. The third thing I want to talk about is on allyship, right? And here is, you know, where you have questions like, what can you do as a white person? What can you do as um, a non-black person? Before I go into that, I want to talk about and address a very specific subset of people who are non-black, but they are notorious for occupying black spaces and profiting from blackness. We welcome these people into our communities. We welcome them into our homes. But when it comes to speaking against violence... On black people they are silent right so these are the people who in uni will love to talk about oh yes you're my nigga right yeah you're my brother hmm they will love to sing rap songs they will they, they use you as an entry point into blackness. And, you know, once you guys are cool, then it's almost as if you are, you know, you're cool with blackness, right? You've been um, initiated into blackness. And you know what? Blackness is lit, right? That's why these people like to occupy black spaces. But at the same time, if you love blackness so much why aren't you being vocal right the same breath that you're so ready to say nigger why aren't you using it and calling out blackness um violence against black people like where's the energy and here's the thing (laughs) it's because they know it's not innocent right it's because of self-preservation because to be they know that to be truly black is to be in danger so what i'm saying in so many words is if you're a non-black person who loves blackness and who loves black men And who loves black women. I need you. To use your voice. And speak against white supremacy. I need you to use your privilege. If you're white. To speak against racism. And to. Speak against violence. On black people I need you to do that at the very least it's the least you could do what with all the appropriating you've done anyway um, this is for the people who want to be allies right 
So the first thing I would say is, you know, for people who ask, what can I do as a white person? Now, here's the thing with me. (laughs) I don't have the, you know, um, I, you know how people say that, oh, I, I appreciate the fact that you want to do this for black people. No, it is basic human decency. So I'm not going to congratulate you for asking that question. So let's get that straight. The first thing is to set your white fragility and guilt aside and listen to and hear black people when they speak about racism. You aren't black, so how could you possibly know how it is to be racially discriminated against? Read and educate yourself on white supremacy and its inherency in the system, both historically and presently. Read books by black scholars who speak about racism and anti-blackness. While you're at it, please take care not to appropriate the knowledge as your own. Secondly, use your white privilege to assist in the fight against racism and white supremacy. Call out the system. Let black people speak, help in making their voices heard, help in making their voices at the, help in putting their voices at the forefront. With the revolts, and I use that word very specifically, with the revolts, I've seen or I've heard about um, white people forming um, a human chain around black protesters. And that's one way to start. If you you have a platform, use it. Advocate against racism. You know, Jackie Aina um, was very unapologetic in calling out these white brands or non-black brands that, you know, profit from the black and mixed race aesthetic. And that will be a topic for another podcast. And she called him out and she said, well, you are also very quick to, you know, profit from this aesthetic right you're all very quick to make money you know every single day is a oh hi babe grab 30 percent off of um styles this weekend right but where's your voice right so you want to make money off of black people but you don't want to speak against racism you don't want to speak up for black people you're silent when it when it comes to black people being murdered so as a non-black person or a non-black institution that has a platform that has resources use that use that to help black people use that to advocate against white supremacy i recently saw um that glossier glossier and they had 
their statement was very it was not tone deaf they pledged to donating i think about five hundred thousand dollars and they put up resources on their website for people to actually go and read and educate themselves that's a start that's how you do it The one other thing I want to talk about is black radicalism. <laughs> oh, white people love to bring about Martin Luther King. Right? Peaceful protesting. Well, where did that get him? He was assassinated by white people. So... What exactly is is it that you were saying? Now, don't get me wrong. I would prefer a peaceful means of achieving freedom and liberation for black people. I would love that. I would love if people didn't lose their lives to gain freedom. I would love that. But guess what? Black people have been peacefully protesting against racism and against white supremacy, but they're still being killed for their blackness. We're still being killed for our blackness. So at some point, you have to ask yourself, why isn't it working? I... This is a very difficult subject to talk about in a non-academic setting. But the thing is, the system is violent. White supremacy is violent in nature. And in the face of oppression by a system that is inherently violent, it doesn't make sense to be peaceful. So don't get this as me saying that, oh, you should go out on the streets and you should loot and you should, um, you know, burn down stuff. Listen, I'm not going to come up here and act like, oh, and talk down on black people who choose to express their rage against the system by um, protesting and, you know, and all of that. That's on them. But at the same time, I can't help but think of... A lot of situations where equality was achieved in a large part by violent resistance. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. But here's the but what I'm trying to say is for white people. It is not enough to be anti-racist. You have to speak against racism. It's not enough for you to say that, oh, I'm not racist. No, you have to actively come out against racism. For black people, you know, some people are, you know, they... We're all different, right? We all choose to express our rage against the system in different ways. Don't be so quick to judge 
violent resistance. There is a reason why people opt for violent resistance. This is a very diff- difficult episode to make because I feel like I have so much to say. There's so much to be said, but it that that's the thing. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming the things that need to be addressed. It's multi-layered. It's there's so much nuance. I can't begin to speak about everything. And the thing is, I want to speak about everything. I feel like I should be able to speak about everything, but at the same time, I don't think I can handle that. And I'm a Christian. And you know, sometimes I like I think about how you know, white supremacy operates within religion and specifically Christianity. And I thank God that my faith is a personal thing. My faith is not reliant on people. My faith is in God because I know more than anything that God is a just God and I know there will be a reckoning. I know that people will be held to account for their actions. I know that and that keeps me going. Anyway, when um when I was talking about white supremacy in in the church, part of what I've said relates to that, but also you know, with with Christians we emulate Christ, right? We look to God. And if there is something, if there is a theme that, you know, comes up again in the Bible is that you should fight for those whose voices are not heard. You should fight against injustice. Right? But where's the church? You know, if you go to a to a white church, a predominantly white church, is your pastor speaking about it? Most of the times, no. Because of this fear of offending the members of the congregation who are white. Because of the fear of making people uncomfortable. Because it's such a complicated issue to talk about. Right? <laughs> but the result is that you have black people who feel that in a place where they're supposed to be a safe space and a safe haven, their lived experiences are erased for the sake of making people comfortable. I mean, in the same breath that you want to say that, you know, we don't want to push, we don't want to divide the church, are you actually thinking about the black members of your congregation? Are you not pushing them away? 
anyway this is what i've said as a black person your faith has to be a very personal thing it is good to be part of a congregation but at the end of the day if there's something that i've learned from asking my loved ones and my family who are very strong in their faith is that you cannot place your faith in man because man will disappoint you your faith has to be in god because i am i consider myself to be a social justice activist right I consider myself to, you know, to, to campaign for social justice, not so much an activist, but I speak out against white supremacy. I speak out against racism. I want social justice. I, you know, I am vocal about white supremacy and racism. But the thing is, it's been there in the past it's still there now will it end i don't think so we live in a fallen world and i've had to make peace with the fact that as long as we live in a fallen world things will never be perfect Does that mean that you shouldn't speak up against racism against other forms of injustice? No. Speak out against them. Speak out against them. But at the same time, you need to acknowledge that, you know, if you are a Christian, this is, you know, for Christians. The specific part is for Christians. If you're a Christian and you're grappling with reconciling racial injustice to your beliefs on Christianity, we can only do so much. We can only do so much. We can work to overturn the system, right? We may even be successful but the vestiges of white supremacy will always be there and justice will still continue i believe that christ will come and he will restore not restore but he will bring about freedom and liberation It's 5.13 a.m. And I am talked out. I wanted to say so much in this podcast, but it's as I've said, I just don't have the strength in me to do a comprehensive um, episode on all this. I am broken over it. It breaks my heart 
I honestly don't know how to finish this podcast off, but there is hope. There is hope. My hope lies in Christ. My hope lies in speaking out against injustice and doing anything I can to speak out against white supremacy, anything that puts a dent on white supremacy, anything that puts a dent on racism. I do believe that we will be liberated. And I am... And I am looking towards, toward, I'm looking forward to that. 